Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Roll the Quadcast. My name is Riley Johnston, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Robert Reinhardt. Rob, how are we doing tonight? Uh, we are doing fine, coming off a, a big win for the Deeks on, on homecoming. Great time yesterday at the tailgate and during the game, so uh, high spirits here in Winston-Salem. Yep, absolutely, and uh, I don't know if you can probably tell, but uh, everybody else can probably tell, my voice is a little strained. I yelled a lot at the game yesterday, so that just means I did my job, but uh, I'm going to do my best. We'll probably limit the podcast to uh, a 30-minute one for this week, or I'll just let Rob talk a lot, which uh, I'm sure he would like to like to do as well, since we usually do not flip the script on that, but uh, we will uh, go ahead and jump straight into it here. Wake Forest with an absolutely dominant performance yesterday, uh, winning 46-10, to 10, piling up the yards on Utah State, jumped out to an early 14 to nothing lead. Um, it probably could have been worse than that. Cameron Glenn, of course, returning the interception for a touchdown that was called back due to a uh, what I perceive to be a late hit or a an unfair hit, I guess, on Kent Myers, the Utah State quarterback. Um, I guess we can talk about that in a couple minutes. It was brought back, but we got the interception, and then Greg Dortch scored on a 43-yard slant route the very next play. Rob, what were your overall impressions about this game? Do you think it was more Wake Forest looking like a very good team, or do you think Utah State was a bad team or kind of a combination? Uh, I, you know, I think it's, it's a combination, but I, I think, you know, after three games of evidence, two of which being against FBS opponents, I think there's some pretty substantial evidence that this Wake Forest football team is a, is a pretty quality football team. Um, you know, good teams win, great teams cover, as they like to say. And we aren't just covering. We are blowing out the spread. We were only supposed to win by 14 points yesterday. We ended up winning um, by a heck of a lot more by a heck of a lot more than that. We beat that by three touchdowns. Um, so I think a, a really great performance, and I think you're seeing uh, some strong performances on both sides of the ball. I thought we were very balanced offensively yesterday. We got off to that great start, as you mentioned, scoring 14 points within three and a half minutes, and we didn't even start with the ball. I can't. That, that rarely happens in, in college football, and I can't possibly remember the last time. Uh, that, that Wake Forest has done it. I'm not sure I've seen it with my own, own two eyes. So, you know, again, this is a Wisconsin, a, a Utah State team that, while, yes, I will fully acknowledge they lost by 49 points at Wisconsin, but they were up 10 to nothing, and they were tied 10-10 at the half. So, Wake, once again, uh, very disciplined in terms, of, in terms of their turnovers. And if you look at the S&P plus ratings, now it's a 36. Walsh had this question whether we're actually good. To look at the S&P Plus ratings up to 36, we're up from about 68 to start the year. And if you only look at actual performance this year um, and took out preseason ratings, we're actually the fifth-best team of the nation. Now, I won't go as far as to say we are the fifth-best team of the nation. Uh, Alabama is, I believe, 16th by that, by that same metric. But I think that goes to show you that uh, this team is pretty good. We got some nice playmakers, and um, you know, could be an exciting season for the Deeks. 
Yeah, I mean, you can only beat the teams that you have in front of you, and Wake Forest so far has not just won. We've covered, and we've covered by a lot. Uh, we were expected to win by, uh, according to Bill Connolly and the S&P, by 8.5 points, and we won by 36. And I've seen a lot of Wake Forest football games, and I know Utah State may not be the cream of the crop, even of the Mountain West Conference, but this wasn't a Presbyterian team. I mean, this was a team that was a legitimate uh, G5 team. They were very good a few years ago. Uh, I think they went 10-3 and in 2011 and 2012. And while they don't have Chuck Keaton or anybody like that they still have that base offense that they run that uh can confuse a lot of teams uh and I did think Wake Forest uh, matched up very well against them I predicted Wake to win 38 to 14 because I thought that their strengths on running the football also played into our strengths which was very good defensive line play very good defensive end play and um but but I, I was nowhere near the prediction of uh, 46 to 10 and the sheer dominance that we had uh Wake Forest ran 90 plays yesterday compared to Utah State 69 and uh Wake had 579 yards compared to 267 yards by Utah State and I think two of uh Utah State's plays basically made up half of their amount. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that says, oh, well, if you take out this play, then, uh, you know, we actually only allowed 170 yards. But but the point behind that is, uh, you know, the game was well in hand by the time they snuck behind our uh, our defense. And I think it was with their backup quarterback. So everything I saw yesterday was a dominant performance by Wake Forest. And uh, I, I didn't expect – I did expect to win by a lot, but I didn't expect to be that dominant in a win, if that makes sense. Um, so I was very happy with what I saw bouncing back after that interception was called back to just go right at him, throw that slant and just go ahead and get up seven to nothing, set the tone for the day. And it showed that Wake Forest maybe has that next gear, um, that we haven't had in years past where it's like, Oh, it's okay. We'll go ahead and score anyway. So don't worry about it. Um, so I really enjoyed seeing that we averaged 6.43 yards per play, which is probably one of the highest amounts that we've had against an FBS team in maybe the last five years. It was a dominant performance by on all sides of the football. Um, and especially offensively, I think things stuck out that we can really use moving forward. John Wolford once again had a fantastic day. While he went only 12 of 22, uh, which is a 55% completion rate for 242 yards, I I think five or six of those were uh, drops on incompletions. Wolford played probably one of the best games I've seen altogether when you add his running and passing. Uh, and yesterday he became the first Wake Forest player to ever throw and run for a touchdown in three consecutive games. So anytime you're doing something that hasn't been done in, in a school's history, especially one that dates back to the early 1900s, you're probably doing something right. Um, I, I want to kind of talk about, and this was a question too, I believe Witt sent in a question about the running back situation and uh, loosely paraphrasing, he asked about how our team bird fits in to what we're doing moving forward because he had that long run, uh, his first career touchdown. He didn't get run down from behind or trip up over a receiver like he did against Presbyterian, but he ran 19 times for 120 yards um, for 8.67 yards per uh, opportunity rate. Um, what do you think Moving forward, Arkeen Bird's role is in the offense. Do you think he will continue to be a change of pace uh, back, or do you think he will maybe not on the starting lineup become the starter, but eventually get the bulk of the carries moving forward? Yeah, uh, th- thanks to Whit for the for the question. Does a great job with our BSC uh, Recruit Report podcast. And I would say, look, I, I think to your point, I don't know if he's quote unquote the starter, uh, but I expect him to see starters snaps. 19, 19 carries yesterday. The next highest was was Matt Colburn with with ten, and then the next highest was was 
quarterback John Wolford with Aiden Cade Carney down there at six. Now, maybe part of that's due to production, but I think uh, over the first three games of the season, now, Bird didn't play much against Boston College in, until the very end, but I was, you know, pleasantly surprised to see him get so many reps just, just one week later, and, and he has that gear that, um, quite frankly, no other back on our, our teams have, um, and, and no other backs on our teams have had for a long time, somewhat similar to what you're seeing with with Greg Dorch in the slot uh, on that 59-yard touchdown run, it, it was really good patience by Bird, actually. Um, but it was actually really well defended, or excuse me, really well blocked by our offensive line. It was not well defended. So, <laughs> correction. It was correct. Yeah, that was not well defended. Uh, he went untouched well by our offensive line. <laughs> yeah, he, he defended him about as well as you and I did from, from the stands. But uh, exactly. I'm very excited about Arkeen Bird. He's not just a step back. He is. He's a tall. Um, very athletic, and, I, and honestly, I'm very excited about what I saw from Colburn yesterday on the final drive of the of the first half, which should have resulted in a touchdown. Cortez Lewis had um, two drops that, that you sort of yep. mentioned there with, with Wolfords. The second one being much, much easier to grab. Uh, Colburn had a number of really nice runs, so honestly, moving forward, uh, I would expect Bird and Colburn to get a decent amount of the carries um, you know, unless we're in some really short yard situations, then I think we're going to move, move Carney in. Um, you know, is, do, you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think a lot of yesterday was after we got the safe lead, it was about getting reps for Bird. And I think going into it, the goal was to get him as many as possible. Um, but I agree with you. I actually said it at the BC game last week that Colburn's looked like the better runner to me so far this year between Carney and Colburn. Um, add to the fact that Colburn can – so Carney's always been a pretty good pass blocker. He's built well. He can pick up – uh, blitzes in the backfield pretty well but Colburn um, in my film review against Boston College I realized he was able to get down the field and lay a couple of big blocks and also pick up a couple of blitzes that allowed Wolford to get out and do what he needed to do on the ground or hit an RPO that got us uh, moving forward and I think Carney lost a lot of carries yesterday after he fumbled the football. And since we finally have two guys, we wound up landing on it. But uh, as we, we both know, when the ball is fumbled, it, it's, kind of, it's completely up to chance as to who gets the, who lands on it. You know, it's, a, it's, an, it's an oddly shaped object. So it's going to bounce oddly. Um, and, and there's not a consistent way to know who's going to land on a fumble. The only thing you can do to prevent that is to not put it on the ground. So I think Clawson was kind of proving a point in a sense to say, hey, you're going to, you got to protect the football you're not going to be on the football field and we can finally do that with backs like Colburn and Bird but uh, I think Bird is is the most talented runner that we have and I don't want to be too prisoner of the moment because I've kind of said this from the beginning of the year there's just so much more speed on our offense right now and Arkeem Bird is a lot of it Uh, he he has that breakaway speed and and we've seen a lot of the the holes that the line have opened up through two weeks but Bird's been the only guy that's gone through him for really long runs so at some point you have to say well you know the, the the blocks are there, but why, why are Carney and Colbert not making those big explosive plays that Bird is making? And I think he just has that extra gear that Coach Clawson has been talking about. He can hit the hole, he can be patient, and then he's gone. Like, there's not a safety there. You're just not going to catch him. I mean, he ran – I was trying to time his 40 – um, on the highlight reel, and it was it was a very fast forty. Even after he pulled up around the five or ten yard line, he 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 runs downhill very quickly. And I think he's one of those guys when he gets the football, he almost seems faster than when he doesn't have a football. Um, but that'll be something pretty interesting to watch moving forward. But I think Bird's going to cut into that. Uh, those carries a lot, especially when we're looking for a change of pace back and, and we want to hit some home runs. Um, 
other than that on the offense, let, let's talk about maybe a downside. I, we also we had a lot of procedure penalties again, and this is the third straight week that we've seen this, and it's kind of building up to the point of, you know, this isn't – we're a fourth of the way through the schedule now, and it sounds weird, but we, we got to cut these penalties out. It hasn't hurt us over the last three weeks because we've been just a much better team than the the opponent, so we – those yardage don't doesn't hurt us but once we get into the bulk of our schedule starting this week against Appalachian State we're a team that is based on like running it down being successful staying on track staying on schedule and those penalties kill us do you, do you think those I'm sure the coaching staff is pulling their hair out over that but uh, is that something that concerns you moving forward or do you think it's just growing pain so far no I'm I'm very concerned I, I was looking at the the penalty count from from yesterday's game and we had um, four false starts. Two were on Benzinger, one was on Haran, and uh, there was another false start, though it, it, the play chart didn't identify the player. Uh, and then additionally, we had two holding calls, one on Haran and one on Oosterhage. On so you're absolutely right. When you're only talking about getting maybe 12, 13 drives uh, total in a game, and all of a sudden if you have a bad false start on, on first and 10 or whatever the situation is, not quite like forfeiting uh, one of your drive attempts since, you know, yesterday we were fortunate to, uh, I believe, recover on some of the drives that um, yeah. we, we got false starts and, and still end up getting first down. So they didn't quote unquote cost us in, in that situation. But I, I think that's unbelievably concerning when, when you're starting. I mean, look at, look at this upcoming game right now against half state going to be going to be a tight game. Probably. Well, hopefully not. Uh, but you know, the spread seems to indicate it. App states um, a, a solid team. So those are the kind of games, the kind of plays, um, you know, you, you have to stay disciplined. And I'm not sure if they're necessarily growing pains. If you're looking at Haran, this is his third year starting. Now, Benziger's a, a little bit um, newer. So maybe they're looking to pull. I know you've made that observation earlier. Maybe they're looking to pull a little bit earlier. So they're yeah. looking to get a, any slight head start that they can get. But uh, absolutely concerning because I think when we do take on teams, if we're going to try and pull off upsets against a Louisville, against a Florida State, um, you know, play tight games against, win a game on the road at Syracuse. Those are the kinds of plays um, that that we need to make. We cannot have those procedure penalties. Holding, you can understand. That's more of a, a physicality thing. Um, but but false starts simply just a, a mental mistake, and we need to be smart and disciplined, um, and that's definitely cause for concern moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that, and I do think a lot of it, as far as procedure penalties, are the pulling, but but that's part of the game plan, so it's one of those where, yeah, you know, he's trying to get out, he's trying to look ahead to get to where he needs to be, but, I mean, you, you have to wait till the ball snap. Like, that, those are mental mistakes that are easily fixed just by focusing and, and doing what you have to do at, at the time that you're asked to do it, so if we're going to do these complex things and we have to get the basics down uh, correctly, and it sounds weird to be talking about these kind of things when we're up 46 to 10 uh, or winning games like that. But I, I know the coaching staff is going to really get into them uh, this weekend and this week about those. I mean, th- those are penalties that kill a team, especially a team like Wake Forest, who relies heavily on defense and is a conservative play calling team. If you get off schedule, we we run the ball an absurd amount on third down and pass in obvious passing situation, um, and we were a little more open yesterday, primarily because we didn't get to a lot of third down. Um, but like, if we're going to be successful and we're going to have an open offense, we can't, we can't have first and 15 or second and 13, Th- they'll get us off track and, and it just waste a possession that we have. So, uh, 
I don't want to be overly negative about it because we, we dominated the game, but I also don't want to act like it's all sunshine and rainbows either, because there are a lot of things we can continue to work on. And, and I think that's a big part. Um, let's talk a little bit about the defense as well, because the, the defense did a fantastic job. Once again, I'm limiting Utah state to 267 yards on 69 plays. Um, one guy that I really want to talk about is uh Isang Bassey. Once again, he had four havoc plays. So two pass deflection, two tackles for loss. And the cornerback position was something that we had a lot of questions about coming in uh, to the year, but so far through three games, Amari Henderson and Isang Bassey have probably exceeded any of our wildest expectation. What do you think, overall about the defense but what have you learned specifically about the secondary so far through these first three games yeah I've been I, you know I hate to say I guess pleasantly surprised that was probably an, an area on the defensive side that I was most concerned about I've been extremely impressed with with Cameron Glenn obviously he had that had the interception yesterday should have should have had the touchdown if not for what I think is a a, a garbage penalty and uh, Bassey, very Bassey, very good ACC Defensive Player of the Week for his efforts last week with the with the pick six and you know having all the disruption plays as you mentioned. I think uh, Amari Henderson has also been better. So I still do potentially have some concerns about our depth. Um, you know I think Jasir Taylor is is doing a, a nice job when he's in there with with nickel situations. And I think um, you know Bates very solid again yesterday. I, th- I think our starters. Are, are playing better as a unit than I anticipated. So I say that's a positive, though. I'm still somewhat concerned if we get into situations where uh, we're going against more tempo or maybe some injuries happen uh, where we have to see some of our depth. I think that could expose our secondary a little bit. But uh, I, I think Bassey and, and Henderson have, have taken pretty big steps forward uh, from last year. Um, so that, that's definitely exciting moving forward since they're still you know, relatively young players. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest positive uh, things that came out of yesterday was the play of redshirt freshman Luke Masterson at the free safety position. He had, uh, I believe, five tackles, but I know that was a big question as to who, who are the backups to Cameron Glenn and uh, Jesse Bates should they go down. Uh, Bates and Glenn are probably two of the best um, safeties in the league, quite frankly, especially put together. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, the play that Jesse Bates made on that punt return, and I know – Utah State had faked a punt earlier, or not faked a punt, but they brought the quarterback in and he wound up pooch kicking it. They did that against Wisconsin, I believe. But the the awareness that Bates had to turn around, field it, and then run it back 75 yards to break those tackles and see that field, that that's pretty unreal for a safety to be able to do. And it worked out well because he obviously returns kicks already, uh, mostly when it's uh, their fair catches. But that's unbelievable awareness and field awareness to do that, especially as a redshirt uh, sophomore, which he is. Um, and so that that's, that's pretty incredible. But I think if Luke Masterson and Jasir Davis can continue to step up there, then that will ease a lot of my concerns about the secondary and uh, what we've got going on there. Uh, the, the line is, is what we've got. We, we know Edge of Four is good. We know Yarberry is good. We know Rodney and Don and Calhoun and Boogie Basham got, I think, I don't, I don't know if he was credited for the safety. I think Dawson got that one, but Boogie was right there. I mean, our line is unreal. You know what you're getting there. So if we can chew up the secondary, which we have looked fantastic through three games, then I feel very positive about it. And, and the ratings agree with us that we're 17th right now in the S&P in defense, which is uh, six spots better than last year, which is what's one of the better defenses in school history. So the loss of Mike Elko uh, so far is not a, a huge loss as far as, you know, the actual in game. His 
recruiting probably helped out, but Jason Oliver was stepping in, and I, I like seeing the new front that we're putting up there. So we'll get a better chance at seeing what we can do against Appalachian State this weekend because they're a better team than Utah State. But overall, I think that this weekend was once again another another fun game for sure, but it, it definitely makes me think that this team uh, is not just better than last year, but they might be able to win – more more games than I thought we were going to win at the beginning of the year, even with a harder schedule. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about Utah State before we move on and take a take a look at App State? Uh, no, no final thoughts except um, I guess you know one thing that that was encouraging to me. I did like that when we got the ball with with one thirteen to go in the first half on our own twenty. Yep. Uh, we still look to drove it. We still look to, to try and score a touchdown. We probably should have resulted in, in, in a touchdown, but I, I like that mentality there about having faith in, in John Wolford. And, you know, he, he let us down the field, put the ball in, in great position. So uh, de- definitely encouraging there. And I thought Tabari Hines had a very good game yesterday as well. So potentially just another speed option for the Deeks on the outside. Yeah, I think that that's something that and I'm going to try to make it a weekly thing where I re-watch the game and break down some stuff and look at the snap counts. But Tavari Hines, I didn't write him off after last weekend, but, he, you know, he kind of gave way to Greg Dorch. But it seemed like we made a conscious effort to get him back in the offense. And if we can have two options, Hines and Dorch, and figure out ways to use them either interchangeably or always have one guy on the field where we're doing RPOs with them, that's going to provide a, another element of speed. So I think that's pretty exciting as far as uh, getting those explosive plays up. So I'm looking forward to that, and I, I, I do enjoy what Coach Clawson is doing. And I think it shows that when we have the horses, he wants to run with the horses we've got. You know, if we have guys that can move the ball down the field, then he wants to do that and be aggressive. Uh, if not, then he's going to do what it takes to win the game. So I think that's the sign of a good coach, and I, I look forward to seeing what he can do moving forward this year. Um, but that's enough about the Utah State game. Wake Forest is obviously now 3-0, and and we go into a big game against Appalachian State this weekend. And This is a game that I've actually been looking forward to for a long time. Growing up in Winston-Salem, there were a lot of uh, people that uh, – a lot of friends from high school, middle school that wound up going to App State. So uh, it's always been a game that I've enjoyed because they, they – they won three straight national championships at the FCS level before moving up. Obviously defeated Michigan in the big house in 2007, uh, 34-32 after that phenomenal block kick. Um, I, I'm very excited to see Wake match up against them because it, it's a big game, not only in the context of this year for Wake Forest to say, hey, we got to get to 4-0. Uh, this is why we should be ranked, and we're getting some momentum going towards Florida State. But moving forward, we want to show that we are a – higher profile school than App State as far as getting recruits. And that hasn't always been the case, especially over the last decade. So this is a chance for Wake to come in and say, hey, this this is our part of the state. We're going to win, and, and we're a better team than you. Um, so, so I think that's very important, not only for this year and getting to 4-0, but recruiting from a long-term standpoint. Um, Wake opens as a three to three-and-a-half point favorite over App State. Uh, based on what line you look at. And, uh, Rob, I, we had a lot of conversation about this because the event stat from Sagarin to um, Football Study Hall kind of differed on what this line would be. Do you think this three to three-and-a-half point line is, I don't want to say correct, but what, what are your initial thoughts on the line? Did you think it would be more? Do you think it's about right? Or, or what, what were your expectations uh, or reaction upon first seeing the line at three points? Sure, yeah. I, I think, you know, it may not sound like a big difference. I thought – after our three games and App State's performance on Saturday, which we can talk a little bit about, um, a pretty poorly played game against Texas State, I thought it might have been closer to three and a half. I know that may sound somewhat 
silly, but that that's a big difference in terms of um, the ability to cover that spread. That's the difference between winning by a field goal and really winning by uh, a, a touchdown almost. It's a lot yep. of the points in there, um, you know, when you can only score by, you know, three or seven for the most part, though we showed we can score by two points on Saturday. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, maybe some of the odds makers would give us a little bit more respect, though it's not just where they think it'll happen. Obviously, they're in the profit-making business and where they think they can get, get some of the action on. So um, it is interesting, as you mentioned, uh, football study hall, uh, S&P Plus, a lot closer to the actual spread right around three points. But if you look at Sagarin's predictor ratings, uh, even when you factor in home field advantage, he, <laughs> he has us as, you know, the 35th best team in the country or so and a 10-point a favorite. Uh, so, that, I mean, you talk about a, a significant difference. Um, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I, I would, you know, say it's probably closer to to three than than the ten. Um, but yeah, typically you see those lines a little bit a little bit closer together. I guess part of it's just the small sample size of still being relatively early on in the year. Yeah, and I think it's important to note they did struggle with uh, Texas State. Just so for people that may not pay as close attention to the kind of the lower G5 level, Texas State is ranked 129th out of 130 teams in uh, the S&P rankings. And coming into this week, they will probably move up. They were a 22.5 point underdog to App State, but they wound up a half yard short of tying the game and possibly winning it on a two point conversion, um, which would have been a huge win for Texas State and a big loss for App uh, heading into this Wake Forest game. Uh, as you stated, Rob, App State is 51st in the S&P, kind of running through their offense, defense, and special teams. They are 65th on offense, 40th on defense, and 40th on special teams. So they, in the end, somewhat of a similar vein to Wake, where they seem to rely on their defense. Their offense is a little better than ours, I believe, or has at least historically been. Um, and their special team rates out a little higher than ours, even though I would probably take Weaver and Maggio over uh, and Dorch over their special team unit. Uh, those those have a lot of preseason anchoring still included in there. So it'll be interesting to see how these update as the year moves forward. But I, I've been reading some of the, uh, the blogs for App State and message boards, and this game is huge for them. They, they've been they're pumped up about it and they, they're not viewing it as oh it's Wake Forest that's just a crap team it doesn't matter they're saying this is a power five team and it, it's our time to prove that we can beat them and get a first win against an FBS team since we've been here so it's going to be a loud stadium we're going to be there we're going to have a big tailgate and we'll uh, try to get out some information on that as soon as we know more um, kind of like the Boston setup but App State wants to win this game the ticket prices are high we, we, they're viewing us as a big time opponent and outside of Wake Forest App State does not play another top 100 team the rest of the year uh, which is somewhat unbelievable but the next uh, top ranked team is let's see Coastal Carolina at 109 who just moved into the FBS, and I'm not even sure it's bowl eligible this year. Other than that, everybody's 110 or worse on their schedule. So you talk about a schedule where they're saying this is our one time, this is our one chance. After the Georgia game, this is it. Um, Robert, you concerned that, that not that we're going to overlook them by any means because I don't think that's, that's in the makeup or DNA of our team as it's currently set up because we've got a lot to prove ourselves. But what, do you think that this is – we're kind of walking into a hornet's nest where they're saying this is our game, this is what we need to do, um, and how do you think that's going to impact the game? Do you think we're ready for that? I do think we're going to be ready for that. I think we've, we've handled some, you know, potentially trap fall games, you know, well so far. I think – 
we we stepped into a, a tough spot in, in Boston College. That was an important game for them early on in the season, and and I thought we we handled that extremely well. I thought honestly the Utah State game, uh, I, I thought we handled that situation extremely well. That that's a team that, as we mentioned, did lose by you know 49 points to uh, to Wisconsin, and we did not take them lightly. We came out and we played with extreme energy. From, from the very beginning. So I, I was I was proud of, proud of our effort with that. And, and we very rarely uh, have come out flat against uh, under Dave Clawson. Uh, we will certainly come out outmatched at times, uh, but that, that's more of a talent thing. I, I think our players will know the importance of this game. I think Clawson will be talking up the importance of this game. And, um, you know, I think that can almost help us. I, th- I think we can take on sort of that underdog role. And, and App State, you know, look, they got really hyped for that Miami game last year. They, they hosted them up in Boone, and, and Miami just pretty much took them to the woodshed. Now, Miami was a more talented team than, than we are, certainly. I, I won't dispute that. But, um, you know, I, I think we will be ready uh, for that type of environment uh, when we go to Boone this Saturday, and I do not think we will be caught looking ahead uh, to to the Florida State Seminoles, who are the next team on our schedule. Yeah, and I, I'm not really concerned about looking forward or anything like that. I, I just I get concerned that it's our I'm, I wouldn't call Boston College a hostile college football environment by any stretch. So um, yeah, this no. is certain. While this is our second road game of the year, this 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 is the first game that a lot of these redshirt freshmen, redshirt sophomores that have gotten true playing time are going to be in a, a hard environment. And you you go back to what we were talking about earlier about the false starts, the procedure penalties, the things that are just all focus. Like those are things that hurt you in environments like this. And, and you know the the game. The fun and uh, easy part of our schedule is over for the next two months. Uh, it 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 just is. We've got App State, we've got Florida State, Louisville, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame. It, there's no break over the next month and a half. So the time is now, and we've done what we were supposed to do up to this point. But if we drop a game on Saturday, we're kind of right back where where we were to start. Uh, it basically gives away the the half wins that we earned against Boston College and Utah State uh, as far as percentage points. So right now we're projected to make a bowl, probably get to six wins. We might be closer to seven wins, I think, based on uh, moving up to 35th in the S&P. But, but this week is this a, a pretty big game, and we can't can't take it for granted saying, oh, it's App State. It's a G5 team that we should beat because while they have an easy schedule, this team's going to win nine or ten games this year, and they, they, they're out for blood, and they want to win as well. Um, let, let's take a little bit of time just to look at the team overall for App State. They have a senior quarterback in Taylor Lamb who has been very good for a very long time. Um, coming into the game yesterday, he threw for uh, five touchdowns, 30 completion, 42 attempts, and this does not include the Texas State game, but uh, I think he struggled a little bit there, but it, it's nothing that um, he, he hasn't done before or cannot bounce back from. Uh, and they also have a very good running back in Jalen Moore, and they, li- they like to run uh, an up-tempo offense and really really pound and wear you down. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team that in a lot of ways is similar to Wake Forest. They rely on defense, but they have those explosive plays that they can uh, then get up and down the field. So it, it is a little interesting that they struggled against a team like Texas State because Texas State is very bad. Um, but I don't know if they were maybe looking ahead to, to us or the, the rest of their schedule and just kind of taking it for granted or just had a bad, a bad day, but this is a pretty entertaining game and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, if, if you are planning to be there, we would love for it to, to have a beer. You can stop by our tailgate. Once we figure it out, we'll kind of drop a pin like we did uh, the last, 
last three weeks. So you can come find us. And uh, we, we got a pretty good section there. I'm excited. I've never been to a football game in Boone before. Um, I've been there a couple of times in high school up the mountain, but I, I think it should be great weather and uh, it should be a good tailgate. Uh, Rob, do you think we come out with a victory or what, what are your thoughts on, uh, on are we going to win? I think so. Um, you know, I'm, I, I feel good about it. I, I did watch the, the first half of the App State versus Texas State game early this morning. And, I mean, Texas State is not good. They, they are the worst team in, in the country according to, you know, the S&P plus metrics. And, you know, they, they certainly fought hard, but they were able to beat App State over the top for a 50-yard touchdown early on in, in the first quarter. I just, you know, completely got blown by. So I, th- I think that's encouraging when you look at a guy like Greg Dorch or how Wolford was able to hit Cam Serenay over the top the other day. I think that that could lend itself well. And then I think, you know, some of the zone read type stuff they run with their quarterback, definitely an experienced quarterback. But I, I think with the strength of our team being the defensive line, I thought you saw it from the really the second drive on yesterday. Uh, Duke Edgefort was able, just, just because he's so talented, was able to blow up plays pretty much single-handedly generate tackles for loss, and then all of a sudden you're getting a run-based team off of um, off of schedule and, and making it more difficult for them to convert. So I think we'll have the advantage in, in the chunk, chunk plays, and I think our, our defensive line will travel well, and, and I think that, that will also uh, ultimately allow us uh, to be victorious. But, um, you know, Maybe I just saw App State of their worst, but but really I thought they were outclassed against Georgia, and Georgia's you know clearly a better team than we are. But I think in terms of defense, their defense isn't necessarily that much better than ours, at least at this point in the season. And uh, from what I saw from from Lamb, from App State's quarterback, I thought he didn't necessarily respond to. I shouldn't say respond to. I thought he did not handle. I thought his accuracy decreased. Uh, pretty substantially whenever whenever Texas A was able to to generate pressure on him. So I think with Jay Solbell's sort of aggressive tight defense, I think some of the blitzes he may bring, I think that could be uh, advantageous for our our secondary to get some interceptions or at least uh, for for the ball to fall short with some incomplete passes and continue to get them into um, you know third and long situations. So I'm uh, I'm I'm feeling good going into the game, but obviously. Uh, Still a, still a good team, and, and we're going to have to show up and, and still play well and continue to avoid turnovers to be successful. Yeah, I think it's, it's the final litmus test before we move into the big boys and not to denigrate App State because this is a big game if we want to continue to look towards bowl eligibility or getting to that sixth or seventh win. But it's it's yet the, it's the final step up. And we went from Presbyterian to Boston College. Utah State's probably a little worse than Boston College. They're, maybe they're roughly the same. I'm not really sure. Um, but App State is a clear step up, at least uh, statistically, and what they should be from those two teams. Uh, it's, it's another litmus test before we go, go into the gauntlet. So I think this is a, a great test for what we are going to do. And it's going to give us a chance to see if we are for real or if we just were beaten up on Sisters of the Poor. Uh, and, and, you know, going into App and getting a win in Boone would be huge. And this kind of lends itself into uh, the next question. This was sent in by, I believe it's pronounced Jerron Cones. It might be Jaron, but I think it's Jerron. Um, Rob, where do you put, and this kind of thinking ahead a little bit, but it includes the App State game. Should we come out with a win against App State? Um, one, do you think we have a chance to get into the top 25, say we win comfortably 10 or 14 points? Um, and if that is the case, then where would you put the FSU game in terms of national relevance as compared to the last few years for Wake Forest? I would say for us, I think that game would 
um, I, I think we would definitely generate some votes. I, I'm not sure it would be enough to quite get into the top 25. I know we got a, a handful of, of, you know, around 24th or 25th ranked votes today um, in, in the newest polls. But in terms of, you know, national relevance of, of that FSU game, I think you're, you're looking at a game that's, you know, it depends on some of the other games that day, but I think you could easily see that game being a, a 7 p.m. ESPN2 type game with with a lot of, uh, obviously, the, the Florida State having a, a massive fan base would help, and it would sort of depend on what they do against NC State, but I, I think that'd be a big spot for our program. I thought last year's, obviously last year's bowl game, definitely definitely big in terms of um, just a, a decent amount of viewership. Uh, I would say last year's Louisville game was also big, um, though, you know, we, we had already clinched ball eligibility at that point. I mean, I would say this would be uh, a very exciting game. Uh, and I, I don't know, when, when do you think, you know, what, what do you think would be our biggest game since? Um. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Last year we made a bowl, but there were no, there was no game last year at any point where I was like, oh, we're going to be nationally relevant. Um, I mean, I think you yeah. have to go back to probably the, the the sounds weird that the game in maybe 2011 that we had a chance to uh, go to another ACC championship game down in Clemson. If if we were to beat, oh, the Clemson game. yeah, if we, the one that we I think Camp took a punt back and we were actually in the driver's seat before Clemson surged back to take the win on a Chandler Catanzar, I think 53 yarders time expired. Um, I, I would say it, if we are able to beat App State, you know, you're playing on your home field. Florida State would only be a, I don't, I don't know, maybe a 10 to 14 point favorite. I'm kind of guessing there because I haven't looked at them specifically. But it, right now they've got a lot of unknown as well. They don't like their quarterback situation. We haven't seen them play a game. They've lost a ton of practice time, and Francois's out for the year. So um, maybe we catch them in a reeling time. I don't really know that's what a to expect. That's a winnable game. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely – I think what we've seen so far is, other than at Clemson, all the games that we have on our schedule are certainly winnable. And I don't feel like I felt in the past few years where it's just like, oh, we got to go play this game because we, we're in the conference. We have to play Florida State. We have to play Louisville. Um, you know, I, I want to win one of the games against Florida State or Louisville this year, and I think that's a viable option. We're probably right at a point four, point five out of those two, so it's just as likely as we win one as we lose both of them. Um, so I, I think it's a huge game. First time in five years that we have a chance to uh, be nationally relevant. We won't be ranked if we beat App State, but if we come in and beat Florida State, we will jump probably into the top 20 um, heading into a, a pretty fun schedule there. So we've got, a, we've got a lot we've got a lot of good teams coming to Winston, and we've got a lot of good teams that we are going to go play on the road. So uh, there will be no shortness of tests for Wake Forest to prove whether or not we're a, a really good team, a good team, or just a team feasting on uh, a lower-level team. So at the end of the year, this schedule will show us. We will have a great idea of how good the team was this year. Um, as opposed to last year where we kind of played most of our games um, against bad teams or, you know, on the road against teams that we probably weren't supposed to beat anyway. Um, I think we will have a very good idea of what Wake is at the end of this year, which is good to know. Um, one final question from Jerron as well. Uh, we got about five minutes left, and we do want to touch on the recruiting weekend. Um, what are your thoughts on the faster-paced offense so far? He said he believes it helps nullify stronger DLs and lets uh, us get our best players uh, best players get the ball in space. I assume he's referring to Doris Bird and Hines specifically. Uh, what are your initial thoughts so far on the tempo offense and how it's impacted the, the team and what we can do overall? I think it's certainly been, been advantageous in, in terms of continually taking uh, being able to 
take advantage of, of, of mismatches, and I think it's it's good idea just get the ball out of Wolford's hands. So sometimes he, he keeps it, and it's been very effective running to it. Just just get the ball to your skill position players as fast as possible. Give Dorch and Hines and company opportunities to make players miss in space. Where it could become problematic, though, is if you are going against a Florida State or, or a Clemson, and as you saw against Utah State, uh, when when they tried to go tempo and, and they were and we we stopped them very early, all of a sudden then you're punting it uh, right back and you're not giving your defense an opportunity to to rest maybe as much as you should. So I, I think it's one of those things where when, when it when, when it's working, it, it's going to be uh, an asset for us. But uh, against some of the better teams, I, I would say I would hope we would look to slow down the tempo a little bit and just use use tempo selectively. Yeah, it's definitely been efficient so far, and I think we finally have, once again, have the horses to do what Dave Clawson wants to do. This year, we look a lot like what the team looked like in Dave Clawson's final year at Bowling Green, where they were wheeling and dealing the ball all over the field to uh, run pass options, slant screens, and uh, this finally looks like a team that can manage on offense. And I think Dave Clawson, his number one biggest thing that he does is he does everything to maximize winning the game and he doesn't care how he does it like he doesn't care if he slows it down he doesn't care if it looks bad he just wants to win the game and he caters to the team that he has to do it so uh he he sees this year that he has tempo guys that we can do it and we can go fast so he wants to do it and i think when we face clemson and florida state he'll slow it down try to slow the game down shorten the game and rely on their strength again which is defense and special teams so um as long as we manage it correctly which clausen usually does in my opinion then it's, it's going to continue to work out but so far the tempos look great um got about three and a half minutes left here this weekend was huge for not just homecoming and football, but we had three huge visitors as Ned and Witt ran down in the BSD re- recruit report, um, which I would recommend anybody listen to. But Nate Lazuski, Mike DeVoe, and Isaiah Muchis were all in town this weekend. And uh, I don't have any solid verbal sources or anything, but I think Isaiah Muchis is probably as close to in the bag as you can get. And I would expect to commit from him. Uh, coming up in the next couple of days, if not sooner, quite frankly, I think Wake has them, and I think that uh, he, he when he commits, or if and when he commits, it should put Wake in the top five right now in the class of 2018, which does not mean anything per se, but it does mean something in the sense that you can say to Io in two weeks, hey, we got a top five class. You want to be a part of this or not? You know, you can go to USC. I know they have a top five class too, but so do we. Uh, what what are your thoughts about those three guys and where they ultimately wind up? Uh, yeah, from you know from the crystal balls on two four seven, Yusha certainly seems like uh, he's, he's got a very high likelihood of going to Wake, so that'd be a big time pickup uh, pickup for us. Sort of a, a three four hybrid player would be very excited to get him. Uh, Devoe, you know, you don't necessarily see things on two four seven, but uh, very very encouraging um, thoughts from uh, you know Corey Evans at Rivals dot com. I think he's a really good player, uh, very athletic shooter, lefty. Uh, would be would absolutely love to get him in the black and gold, one of the better players on the Nike EYBL tour th- this summer. So a number of important point guards visiting uh, University of Florida this past weekend who are probably slightly higher priorities for Mike White down there in Florida. So uh, I'm really hoping somebody like a Devin Dodson or an Elijah Weaver would commit to Florida hopefully hopefully today, and, and hopefully that could help, help get us to uh because if you had those two, I think that would make for an outstanding class. Uh, to join to join Jalen Ward and Sharon Wright. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that his uh, 
obviously Mother Nature, the hurricane, is a, a horrendous thing, but it's interesting that that could have worked in our favor, that he never got to take that visit down there. And while he may go moving forward, but the other, the other two point guards actually got to go first instead of uh, him going there and them getting to sell him. So it gave the, those two guys a chance to commit before he gets there, in which case I think we are in very good shape to land him. Um, right now, if you had to ask me, I think we land Musius. I think that comes out pretty pretty shortly. And once again, no, no solid things or anything like that, just based on what I've heard. Um, and then I think we probably land DeVoe. And then if we can get Aya, we would take him as a fifth player. But once we get the fourth guy, we're not going to take anybody because we're already over the limit. I think Nate Lazuski winds up going to Notre Dame ultimately. And I'd much rather have him there than Carolina. But uh, it's been a great weekend, and we've got another big weekend in two weeks against Florida State. So we will see how that goes. But Manning and Clawson continue to just put in great work for both sports. Um, I think that's going to about do it. We actually ran to the full 45 minutes. We had a lot to talk about, but I, I think that went went pretty well. Once again, we will be in Boone uh, this week, and we will have a ton of articles coming out this week about basketball and football. Hopefully we get to write that Musa's article pretty soon, but we will have everything you need to know about the Wake Forest App State game uh, that kicks off next weekend at 3.30 on the ACC Network. Uh, Rob, appreciate you coming on, uh, but uh, I think it's time to sign off, so go Deeks. Go Deeks.